planted in Jesus. Planted in Jesus. Almighty God, open our minds and our eyes and our hearts. Speak to us clearly, Almighty God. Let your anointing quicken our hearts. Let revival break forth in the name of Jesus. I pray in your holy name and by your blood, Jesus. Amen. Mark, the fourth chapter. Mark, the fourth chapter, verse 2. He taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching, he said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched. and They withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plant so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. Then Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Today we're going to concern ourselves with the second part of this parable. We're told that this parable contains the secret of the kingdom of God. That this parable is the secret that unlocks all other parables. This parable unlocks the teachings of Jesus. And if we can understand this parable, we'll understand all of the parables. Today we deal with part two, verse 16. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. I have struggled with this and said, Jesus, what does it mean to be planted in you? What does it mean to be rooted in you? I'm a farmer. I know that when I put that seed down in that soil, I cover it over. It's going to need some rain on it. It's going to need some sunshine on it because the soil needs to be warmer than 55 degrees to begin to germinate this seed. I watch as a whole huge flower garden, which I have planted with red flocks. I watch as the weeds are popping up out of that flower bed. But I don't dare go hoe those weeds out for fear I might cut off those flocks that are just under the soil, that are not through yet. Those flocks have been planted. I have prayed over them. I've given them to Jesus. I'm waiting now. But you know what I did before I planted them? I dug out the clay. I dug out the rocks. 
and I put all new soil. Wow, about 15 bags of soil into that flower garden. Now I'm waiting, I'm watching. I know what it means to have a, a flower or a tomato plant put its roots down into that rich soil because I've eaten the produce or had the cut flowers for my sweetheart. I know what that means. But what does it mean when Jesus talks about planting me in that soil? How do I get planted in Jesus? I've struggled over this. I've prayed over it. I've said, Lord, I've preached on this passage many times, but I feel as though I have not ever adequately heard what it means to be planted. I want to share with you today what the Lord said to me. He told me to begin with you in Matthew, the 13th chapter, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Can you imagine? This man is out there plowing his field. And this time he decides to try to improve his crop. He decides to thrust that plow even deeper into the soil. And so he's really putting his weight down on those handlebars. Perhaps even has tied some weights to that plow. And as the oxen pull that plow forward, he hits something that he considers a stone and he wants to get that stone out. And so he gets his shovel and he begins to dig to get that big stone out of the field. How many times I've done that? And finally he gets that stone exposed, but it's not a stone, it's a chest. And he says, what is this? And he looks around, he's down, working down in the hole to pull this thing out. He said, wait a minute, wait a minute, I better not pull this out. Let me just open it. So he gets his shovel and he pries it open. He swings it open and there he sees gold and silver, precious stones. He sees a treasure. He says, wait a minute, I don't own this field. Shut this thing up. Put the dirt back on it. Mark this place. And he leaves, perhaps even leaving his oxen in the field, which no farmer would do. And he runs home and he says, sweetheart, pack the house. We're selling the house. We're what? We're selling the house. No, no, don't pack. We're selling everything we own. What? I mean, you can imagine her. She's been with the children. This madman rushes in, muddy and dirty from the field. He says, we're selling everything we have. Have you lost your mind, honey? Look, we're selling. And so very quickly, he sends the children out telling people what's available. People start to come to the house. They take the bed. Where are we going to sleep tonight? They take everything. He sells all the furniture. He, says, he sells the house. And the wife is standing outside with the children. And I think she's probably crying. And she's saying, I guess I'll have to go live with mother. My husband is crazy. He's lost his mind. And he's saying, honey, just trust me. And she's saying, I've heard that before. 
Oh, have I heard that before? I don't trust you at all. You're just a farmer. We don't even own the field. We're, oh, honey, we're going to. I'm going to go buy it now. What? You mean you sold this house? You sold my precious, you sold everything we have. You made us homeless so you could go and buy a field? Yes, honey. Why don't you go over to Sisters? I'll come pick you up later this afternoon. And he takes all the money they have and he goes and buys that field and gets the sandal. That's what they did in those days. The contract was signed by a sandal. He gets the sandal of the man who owned the field. And he takes the sandal home and he shows at the auntie's house. See the sandal. We own this property. Yeah, we own the property, but we're poor. We own nothing else. When will the wheat come? We've lost everything. I wonder if she said, I'm going to leave you. I mean, she was mad. And he tells his family, come with me, let's go to the field. And they go to that marked place. And they dig up that treasure. I think Mama's eyes must have come right on out of her head when she saw that treasure. I think she wrapped her arms around him and said, you're the smartest man. I'm so glad I'm married to you. Just one minute before she was saying, I'm so mad. I wish I'd never married you. And the next minute she's hugging him and kissing him and saying, I'm so glad I married a man so smart. Now, hear what Jesus is saying to us. You cannot be planted. You cannot be planted unless you're willing to sell everything you have for the treasure of great price. You cannot be rooted in Jesus if it costs you nothing. And one of the reasons there is so little witness out of our mouth about Jesus is because we've paid so little for Jesus. And when the price begins to go up for Jesus, we get mad and we say, look, we're going to lose everything here. Everything's going to be terrible. I'm not going to have what I need. Look, this is impossible. Because you haven't seen the treasure yet. See, this is the difficult part that each of us faces. We're standing with a man and we'd like to talk with him. He's a good friend of ours. We'd like to talk with him about Jesus. But we might offend him if we talk with him about Jesus. So let's just let him see our life. What? You know, let me just say, hey, would you like to come and visit us at our church sometime? I have my own religion. 
You can't begin to bring somebody to Jesus Christ without bringing the law to bear upon their life and expose the darkness and the wickedness of their heart. You can't bring them to Jesus by, by sweet talk and sugar. Paul always used the law to expose the heart and then he went from the law to the grace. We want to go from the grace to the grace. But let's be clear, if the law does not expose our wrongdoing, if we don't begin to see how we have sinned against God and the price for that, we'll never be really interested in the pearl of great price. So I want to ask you all today, what's it cost you to follow Jesus? Now, what's it really cost you to follow Jesus? Most of us have just gotten benefits by following Jesus. It's cost some of us some inconvenience. But these million brothers and sisters coming out of China, who are headed to Saudi Arabia and to the Sudan, who have made a covenant with their brothers and sisters in China, where they're persecuted already. As they come out of this land of China, they've made a vow to lay their lives down as martyrs, if necessary, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ in the Sudan, or in Saudi Arabia, or in other parts of Africa. They've said, we lay our lives down, but not just dad saying, I'll lay my life down. Mama said, I'll lay my life down. And they're taking kids with them into that setting, recognizing that the children could be taken from them or the children could be killed. Now these people know something we don't know about being planted in Jesus. But I can almost hear some of you say, but pastor, we don't have to pay anything. That's not true. If you don't pay anything, you will not be planted in Jesus. You will have an intellectual understanding. You can have a good deal down of your religion, but it will just be a form of religion. There won't be any godliness in it because it hasn't cost you anything. And some of us think because we've had to pay a price, a little price, with our family, with our friends, with our accommodation. We think a little price like that should be more than sufficient. But Jesus said, except you take up your cross and follow me. Unless a man gives up his life, he cannot have a life in heaven. Unless you are willing to be put under that soil in the darkness. You know, there's no light under soil. When I took those flock about so long, six inches long, I took those roots and I laid those flock underneath the ground and I put that dark soil over them. There's no light down there. You can't be planted in Jesus and understand the whole deal that's going on. That flock root down there doesn't understand why I would take them out of their nice warm cubby plastic bag 
and put them down there under the soil. I've treated them very, very poorly. And then not only do I take them out of their nice dry packing, I dump water all over them. Now I'm really mistreating them. Their life as a root, comfortable and secure, is over. They are now underground, and they're either going to produce or they're going to rot. Or the squirrels are going to dig them up and eat them. They're at risk. What risk did you put your life at for Jesus Christ this past week? What was the risk you put yourself at? Was there any risk? Every time you expose darkness by your life or by your words, you are risking yourself. Have you risked yourself this week for the name of Jesus Christ? When Dachelle says, I'm not going to go to the prom and do the party scene and the dance scene. And I'm not going to go to the hotel afterward. I'm not going to stay up all night doing this. When she says, I'm going to say to my friends when I go back to school for the graduation rehearsal, I didn't go because Jesus didn't want me to go. She will have paid a very small price but a significant price to follow Jesus. And guess what? When she paid that price, she got planted a little bit deeper into Jesus. With every price we pay in Jesus Christ, we are planted more firmly in the soil. Now, I must also tell you that there is a fairly good length of time between the planting and the producing. You don't suffer the persecution, you don't suffer the price, and then turn around and say, now give me the fruit. My flock have been in the ground now over a week and I'm not seeing the produce yet. It's been too cold. And then I'm going to have to wait till the middle of the summer before I'm going to see the blossom beginning to come forth. I'll not cut any of those and bring them to my sweetheart until probably sometime in July. Well, what if in June I say, you know what? I'm tired of waiting and I get my hoe and I go out there in the garden and I chop all the flocks down and I say, I'm going to have to grow something that will produce for me today. Well, what can I plant that's going to produce for me today? Nothing will produce for me today. So there's a time lag from the point I plant that seed until there's a produce that I can begin to use in my life. Now, it's that time lag that I don't like. Because during that time lag, I can say it's all worthless. 
and I can turn away from the sacrifice that I've made. And I can say, if this is what it's going to cost to follow Jesus, I'm not going to cost because it's all, it's all a matter of costing me and nothing gained. And we Americans like immediate gratification. I mean, we say something to our child and we want that child to be perfect immediately. But they didn't get the way they are instantly. They got that way by watching you and Mama for quite a while. They got that way by observation and by natural instinct. So when the corrective process begins, everything gets worse before it gets better. Now that's something I've noticed. When I'm planted, things always seem to get worse, not better. I tell you, it's much worse today for my flocks down below than it was a week ago. I don't know right now whether they're rotting or whether they're growing. I've learned not to dig them up to find out. We want to dig up our lives and look and see, am I getting where I want to go? Is this the course of action I want to pursue? Am I going to win by going this way? Not about that. So Jesus says, you're planted. You're rooted in Jesus. You're rooted in Jesus by giving up your life, by paying the price. I mean, I recognize today, I could have become an attorney. It's too late for that now. I've passed that corner. I thought about it back in high school. I knew there was a call of God on my life for ministry, but I was having such a tough time with Greek. I thought I'd never get through Greek. And I began to flirt with the idea Law would be so easy for me. I'm a natural for it. I took the exam. The teacher came back and said, Ray, you ought to be in law. It'll be easy for you. I said, man, I hate this Greek. If I take law, will my French, that covers me. Yeah, no more language requirement for you if you, take, if you go into law. But I knew if I continued, I had another 10 hours of Greek to take, and then I had Hebrew to take. And I hate languages. <laughs> I was so tempted to go with... And then I thought, you know what I'd really like to do? I'd like to do something more exciting. So why don't I go for the state police? I could do that for a few years, and then I could go from the state police and get a law degree. I'd like to be a prosecutor. I played with that whole idea for a while. You know what? If I went back to the police academy now, they'd say, I'm sorry, you're too old. You're past 31. The cutoff was 31. 
with Maryland State Police when I was interested. It's past. I can't go back and redo that. In other words, as you move down this path of life, you lose certain opportunities. You can't go back and retake that opportunity. You've passed that road. You can't go back to that road. I can't go back today and play with becoming a state policeman. I can't go back and play with becoming an attorney. I am a pastor. I'm a preacher of the gospel, whether I like it or not. You're making choices also. And you can't go back and remake those choices. When you make a choice to give yourself to Jesus Christ, you begin to set out down a very specific path. It's a path that requires that you be planted more and more deeply into Jesus Christ. That means you're going to have some very, very dark times. Because you can't be planted without having darkness. But it also means that you're going to begin to grow and you're going to come out into the sunshine. You're going to come into the light. And some of you have been in the darkness so long you're saying, I'm rotting down here in this darkness. No, if you're still concerned about that, you're not rotting at all. It's just taking some time to grow. Do you trust the process that Jesus has you in? Are you willing to submit to that process and not rebel against it? Are you willing to submit to the road that the Holy Spirit has called your feet to walk? Are you willing to not rebel against that road, but to lift up the name of Jesus in spite of the darkness and say, I praise you, I worship you, I honor you, I will follow you. So the first step for being planted is I will allow Jesus Christ to cost me something. To cost me something. Now, go with me to Matthew, the eighth chapter. Verse 21, Matthew 7, I'm sorry, Matthew 7, verse 21. Matthew 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. In other words, not everybody who says they're a Christian has been planted. But only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. In other words, you can do great works in the flesh for Jesus Christ. 
but you can still be walking in personal wickedness while you do those wonderful works. In other words, you can allow your body to be burned. 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. You can do great acts of love and compassion out of a humanistic spirit in the name of Jesus. But still have a personal life of wickedness. And Jesus will say, I don't even know who you are. In other words, to be planted in Jesus means to cost me something. I give up my life, but it also means that I now choose to obey Jesus Christ. So that my life is clean before him. I don't come here and preach the gospel to you about Jesus and then behind your back in secret walk in wickedness and darkness. For if I do, you may be saved by the word I speak, but I'll be lost. Paul was very concerned that as he preached to others, he himself would not be cast off from Jesus Christ. In other words, what I want you to hear is that Jesus is not primarily concerned about the outward fruit that seems to be produced from our lives. He's concerned about where our roots are. He wants our roots down into himself. He wants that personal holiness to be a part of our life. Now I tell you, every step of obedience that you take to the Spirit of God plants you more deeply into Jesus Christ. And at first we begin by taking little baby steps. But let's say in the midst of this darkness that I'm saying, I don't like this life anymore. I don't like the barrenness of my life. I want something else. I have to be a winner. I have to have what I have to have. And as I begin to step into that, I begin to sever the roots I have with Jesus Christ. It's very similar to what we spoke about some time ago with your husband or with your wife, as you do things for them, you have cords of kindness that begin to grow between you. Threads, almost, of kindness. And those threads become ropes. And they connect our hearts one to another. And you are either cutting those cords of kindness or you're strengthening those cords of kindness and binding your hearts more and more together as one. So sharp words cut. Sharp words cut those tender bonds of love between us. Well, bitterness and complaining, whining, grumbling, cut off those roots in Jesus and make us rootless. That stony soil that was spoken of 
that shallow soil. What are those stones? Those stones are idols in our lives. Things that we're holding on to that we demand we have a right to have. Okay, I'll follow Jesus, but I'm also going to have my stuff. I'm going to have it my way and walk in personal wickedness. One person said to me, I'm not going to forgive them, Pastor. Don't ask me again. When they get theirs, then I'll consider forgiving them. But in the meantime, I'm not going to forgive him. One man said to me, I want a divorce. I'm not going to live with this woman anymore. She's done nothing but bring me misery. I want out of this marriage, and I'll ask Jesus to forgive me later, Pastor. Oh, cutting those roots that bind our hearts to Jesus until finally all of those roots are cut off. And when the roots are cut off, we don't get to go out and have a wonderful life in the world. We already passed those paths. We rot. We rot. So today, are you conscious of the roots you have down into the heart of Jesus? Have you been cutting off those roots this week, or have you been sending those roots deeper and deeper into the heart of Jesus? He used that illustration that is even more stunning to me, this grafting business. Have you ever grafted a branch into a tree? Very carefully it must be done. Did you know you can get disease into that tree by grafting in a branch that's contaminated? And that disease will destroy that tree. Now when I'm grafted into Jesus Christ, that means I had to submit to being cut off from another tree. Now you understand, when you cut off a branch... That branch is basically dead. There's no sap flowing in it. The sap begins to be sucked up into that stem, and the end seals over. And you can go put it in water, but it won't suck any water up because it's already sealed itself off. No, instead, like when you buy roses, you have to bring them home. And you have to mash that, you have to cut off the end and mash the stem. And then it draws the water up. Well, this is what Jesus is saying about us. You're cut off from what you were doing. And you're brought over and the risk is that Jesus will be infected by your disease. But I want to tell you, the blood of Jesus is a powerful antibiotic. And when a hole is made, is drilled into that tender outer covering of that fruit plant, that fruit tree, and that very carefully 
that branch is placed in it and then it's bound up, it's wrapped up like a, a wound on a person. It's bandaged. The tree is actually bandaged. Very carefully that bandage is, is taken off and a new bandage is placed on it and it's checked very carefully for, for any disease. I mean, this is what Jesus is doing with us. This is the process. Well, some of us got really mad when we got cut off. And we kind of wanted to lay around disconnected for quite a while. By His grace, He didn't just throw us in the pile to burn. By His grace, He took us. But you know what? Just before He was ready to put us into Himself and graft us in, He had to cut off some more of us. And we're saying, wait a minute, I was already cut off. Isn't that enough? Why should I be cut off anymore? I've had enough cutting off. No, no, you haven't had enough cutting off. It's only the tender part of the shoot that can be grafted in. The dry part has to be cut off. So Jesus grafts us into himself. This is much more than just rooting. This is actually being grafted in to become one, to become one with this plant. This tree builds a protective covering around that place where it's grafted in. Protect it from insects and disease. To begin to understand. As we're willing to pay a price, willingly paying a price to follow Jesus Christ, and then we begin to walk in our private world, allowing Jesus to cut off what he wants to cut off. And we allow ourselves to be waved around, not stable. Now, please hear me. If there's one thing we all like, it's to be stable. But the time between the branches being cut off from one tree and grafted into Jesus, you're not connected anywhere. You're just out there floating. And frankly, the decision has to be made after the branch has been cut off, the decision has to be made, is this branch going to be grafted in or is it going to be put on the pile to be burned? Now, by a gift of grace, all of you have been determined to be worthy by the blood of Jesus, to be grafted into Jesus Christ. Sometime the graft doesn't take. I've watched men in, in the business of pruning trees, I've watched them actually come and cut off a branch from the good tree and regraft it. Has that happened to you? It's painful. The only object is for the sap to run freely from the tree into the branch. Until that's happening, it's going to die. But let's say an apple tree was 
grafted into a pear tree. Boy, there's some conflict there. What's going to be, what's going to be the result of that grafting? Well, Jesus has to change us into his likeness so the fruit we bear is not the fruit of darkness, but the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. Well, if he's going to bear that kind of fruit in me, why am I so miserable now? Because you're not ready to bear fruit yet. You're not ready to bear fruit yet. A blossom will burst forth in your life if you're walking in holiness, you're walking in righteousness, you're trusting in Jesus, the shield of faith is up. But it doesn't happen the day you're grafted in. And then some of you have been so miserable after the grafting in or after the planting that you keep taking it off or you keep pulling it up there's nothing in my life. I've been doing this and there's nothing. Look, look, there's no fruit in my life. Look how miserable I am following Jesus. Well, what's your choice? Not to follow Jesus? That's not a happy choice because once you've made the commitment to follow Jesus, it's not as though you can go back and now live a normal worldly life. You know too much. You've been touched by the Spirit of God. You're going to be miserable above all misery. I mean, once you've tasted of the goodness of Jesus and you've had a, a change in your spirit, how can you go back and once more walk in the darkness of Satan? You can't. Or you become ten times the demon. I mean, isn't that what the word says? When a demon is cast out, seven demons come rolling back to find out if the house is occupied. Well, who's the house to be occupied by? The Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit isn't occupying that house, seven demons worse are going to come back. It took Mary quite a while to figure that one out. Jesus cast the demons out. She didn't believe on Jesus. She didn't trust in him. And he had to come back and throw them all out again, except now there are more demons. He had to do that over and over with her. Watch what he now says. Verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears the words of mine, you're hearing the words today of Jesus, and puts them into practice, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock or it was rooted in Jesus. And now all the storm can do is bring the moisture needed. All it can do is make me stronger. There's no storm that can come against me that will destroy me in Jesus Christ. 
Every storm that comes just brings the moisture that makes me stronger. After this last horrible rain that we got, as soon as it stopped raining, I was outside looking at the plants that I've just seen popping up through the soil. I had to clean the mud off some of the leaves because the mud was caked on them from the fresh soil that I'd put on because the rains came before I could mulch anything. So I had to go out and carefully wash off these leaves so the mud wouldn't hold them down and destroy them. But those plants are stronger today than they were before the storm came. Jesus is willing to come around and wash the mud off you. He'll do it tenderly. But if you're planted in Jesus, you're going to come out stronger than you were at the beginning. Verse 26, But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Some of you are feeling like your life is crashing. I can tell you why. Because you don't have long enough roots yet into Jesus Christ. And the storms come and it feels like they're going to blow you away. Your only choice now, if you're not going to crash, is to step more firmly into obedience to Jesus. Say, Jesus, these feelings that I have, I give to you. I'll not be controlled anymore by my feelings. These desires that I have, I give to you. I'm not going to be controlled by my desires. The dreams I have, and I thought you were going to help me accomplish, I surrender to you. I give them to you. I trust you, Jesus. Oh, I bear testimony today. The storms have come on my heart. And I thought they were going to wash me away. Many times, even this last week, I went to bed Thursday night after our meeting. I said to Jan, I just can't preach. I don't want to ever preach again. She said, let's not quit, let's just go to bed. Those were wise words. Those were words of wisdom. When everything seems to be hitting you and you see yourself in your utter weakness, you see yourself in your utter depravity, run to Jesus. Lean against his breast like John the Apostle. His heart is broken because he doesn't understand what's going to happen to Jesus. Jesus is saying things like he's going to be crucified. All John can do is lay back against him. That's why we sing this song, Safe in the Arms of Jesus. We're each at different stages. Some of you have been just freshly cut off and you're still very raw. 
Some of you have been planted for a long time. You're beginning to see the foliage grow. You're beginning to see some fruit come forth. The storms come. You want to throw it all away. Go to Jesus and say, plant me deeper in you, Jesus. Make my roots grow stronger in you, Jesus. Don't let one word of despair come from your mouth. Don't let one word of bitterness or anger come from your heart. Press into Jesus. Seek his face. And you will find him. Oh, Lord. Lord, we're willing to pay a price to follow you. Lord, cause each of us to pay the price you've asked us to pay. And cause us, Jesus, to walk in obedience to you, to be rooted in you, Jesus. And in that storm, Almighty God, may we be found to be firm and solid and not washed away. Almighty God, have mercy on your people today and build such a testimony of faith in our hearts that we will proclaim with joy everywhere we go that you are the Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and you are the ruler over all things. Lord, give us courage today. Give us courage today, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen.